0: Welcome to the Family Huddle Podcast. We understand family with God's design, and yet, our families can often be the place in our lives where we're the most ungodly. In this podcast, we're hoping you find encouragement from God's Word, as well as practical ways the gospel can touch down in your own life, your home, and your family. We also hope to share some laughter, great stories, and let you know you're not alone, no matter your season or circumstances.
1: Hello, welcome to the Family Huddle Podcast, a podcast of family ministries here at Grace Church. My name is Travis Armstrong, and my beautiful bride is not able to join us today. She's laid up, uh, maybe a little sick at home, Um, but we're so grateful today. We have a couple really awesome guests, and I'm excited for this interview. Um, We've got Danny Freed and Matt Velasco. Danny is our junior high pastor, Matt is our... High school pastor here at Grace, and they're two awesome guys. Matter of fact, I've known Danny for a long, long time. Um, it's so weird to think that ten years ago you were an eighth grader. I and know now you are the junior high. <laughs> it's crazy pastor. So totally. Um, oh, how the tables turns have turned. No <laughs> doubt. Um, and Matt, you're relatively new to the staff, yep. but you've known Danny since high school. Yep. You guys are good 12 friends. Twelve years i totally um, yep. grateful to have you on board and working with these high school students. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. And just recently got married 30 yep. days ago.
2: Yep. 30 days ago. 31 days 31 ago. 31 days. I'm on, pretty much go. a vet. <laughs> pretty much a vet. All your marriage questions come to me. I got the answers for you. I love
1: you. it. I love it. Yeah. So cool. Um, I'm glad to have both of you guys here. And, uh, you know, we just started a series last week um, and entitled it Ways That the Enemy is Attacking the Family. Um, and we kind of talked a little bit, Steph and I did, about distraction. Today, wanted to tackle this idea of um, deception, hmm. that the enemy uh, comes to deceive us. And I think about you guys being really on the front line. Sometimes I consider student ministries to be like the Navy SEALs. Right, mm. You guys go into places and you handle mm. circumstances and situations with students that like nobody even realized is happening. Yeah, <laughs> And so I love that you guys are right there in the battle. You're in the trenches. You see what's happening on a day-in, day-out basis with students. Sometimes maybe even parents aren't aware of what's happening mm. underneath the surface of kids' lives. Sometimes what parents see at home is maybe different from what you guys are seeing, and maybe you're privy to some information about how the enemy's working his way into kids' lives that yeah. parents just don't see. Mm. And that's what we want to maybe unpack today as we look at this idea of deception. And I hope that as a result of our conversation, it would be beneficial to all the parents that are out there listening today that see a battle being waged for the heart, soul, the minds of teens. And where do they even start? And I think, I hope that this conversation day could be uh, really helpful in in equipping Mm. parents to handle what's happening uh, inside their homes with teens. So here's the question for you guys. As you think about teenagers today, junior high and high school, in what ways do you see them being deceived um, that would really be helpful as a parent of a junior high kid? I would need to know. So either one of you guys, man, feel free to jump right in. The water's warm.
3: Yeah. Well, I I mean, I would start off, I think, by saying, like, we need to understand the nature of, deception. Yeah. Right. Like how is it that the enemy wants to work in our lives? And I mean, you track it all the way back to, uh, Genesis in the garden. Like how does, how does God, uh, or how does Satan deceive Adam and Eve? It's not that he just goes out and says something that God totally didn't say. Mm -hmm. He, he takes what God did say Mm -hmm. and twists it just a little bit. That's right. Right. It's not like giant monumental shift. It's like, did God really say Right. Right. And then says something that like, isn't exactly what, like verbatim Mm -hmm. for what God said. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, that's really important too, is that like, like your students. Yeah. Like when they're, when they're, you know, start to believe lies that are from the enemy, right? Father of lies. uh, Oftentimes they're not going to be giant, Mm -hmm. monumental. They're going to be subtle little shifts. Yeah. Right, cracks in the foundation, not not earthquakes that are bringing down the whole house in one go. Yeah, you know. So I think that's important.
2: Yeah, I also think it's important to to recognize what is the strategy, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what is the strategy? The strategy of um, deception, and I think of John ten ten when it talks about how the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, and we know the thief represents the enemy. And I think that a lot of the ways that the enemy is deceiving mm-hmm. our mm-hmm. high schoolers mm-hmm. in particular is by stealing their understanding of their identity. Yeah. So I think the biggest, at least for high schoolers right now, and this probably isn't going to be a shock to anyone, but I think it's important to recognize this is probably the biggest place where our high school students are having um, or are being deceived by the mm-hmm. enemy. Mm-hmm. And it's they're being convinced that their identity is not in Christ. Yeah. And so when you look at um, sexuality issues, yeah, it's an identity issue more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's complex, but you have people who are gay, their identity is in that. Mm-hmm. It's an identity issue. Yep. I mean, if you were to imagine right now, if I were talking about how, well, my identity is I'm a heterosexual male who's married. Right. It's not my identity. Right. My identity is that I am a follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And when your identity gets misplaced, yeah. you are open for deception in so many different areas of your life. Because so now culture is trying to place identity markers on you in a myriad of different ways. But when you stand on the strong foundation of your identity in Christ, That's right? The enemy can't steal that away from you, <laughs> so I do think it is it is very much um, a a identity issue for yes. our high schoolers because the world is fighting for them. Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah, I think too, yeah. as you were mentioning, uh, Matt. Um, I think what happens is um, identity precedes activity, mm. but yeah. we get that flipped around, right. and our activity oftentimes determines our identity. Here's what I'm doing. I am a father. I'm in this relationship. I do this. I'm on the sports field. That's who I am. No, 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 no. And so we got to flip that back around, like, who am I in Christ? That determines my activity. Yeah,
2: yeah. And I'm finding, even in, in ministry, and this is, I've been doing some form of youth ministry for uh, six years now. Yeah. Um, and whether it was interning all the way up to full-time staff. And what that what I've seen is that in the home, oftentimes, there is it's, it's being taught that your identity is in Christ, mm-hmm. but the applicable points of that are oftentimes forgotten. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, your identity is in Christ, but how does it actually impact the way that you live? How does mm-hmm. that actually change the way you live? And mm-hmm. so I find myself having to have conversations with students who grew up in the church, but don't actually understand what having an identity in Christ is means. Yeah. And so because of that, they get off, they graduate, they go to college. Their identity isn't actually in being a follower of Christ. Mm-hmm. Their identity is in being a church kid. Yeah. Being a pastor's kid, being a missionary missionary's kid, being a a kid who went to youth group, but it's not a follower of Jesus. Yeah. And so you strip that away from them. You strip youth group away from yeah. them they're losing their identity. Mm -hmm. And again, if they don't have their identity in Christ, they will be so open to deception, whether it's deception about um, uh, sexuality, deception about who Jesus is, deception about what faith is, is religion even necessary? I mean, some of the the saddest stories I've heard of Mm -hmm. my students are students who I would have never thought would walk away from the faith. Mm -hmm. I would have never thought. Yeah. They would ever walk away from the faith, and then I come to find out they never actually understood what their identity was. And once I hear that, it explains every Everything decision that I've heard that they've made, yeah. because there was no foundation for them.
3: Totally, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I think what I've been noticing the more I meet with students, um, both both here inside of Grace Church and then like through FCA where I'm I'm leading students at at Chaska High School, um, there there's such a lack of like even just a basic biblical foundation. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they believe things about Jesus that are not true. Yeah. And they believe things or, I mean, they don't even understand the Bible, like from a foundational fundamental level to like understand even the story of scripture. Yeah. Um, And so like, I get a lot of blank stares in Bible study where Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh yeah. You remember back in, you know, Genesis 28 where, you know, Jacob is wrestling with the Lord like blank stares. Like, no, I have never heard that passage before in my life. And I'm like, oh, okay. So we're literally starting from square one. And, and so like that I think is important for parents to hear too, is that like a lot of the, the things that are going to deceive students comes from like a lack of foundation. Like there's no, Mm -hmm. like, they don't know who they are in Christ Mm because they've never taken the time to see what does the Bible say about who Mm -hmm. am I in Christ? Um, and so, even right now, with our junior high students, uh, I'm preaching through a series called Bedrock and yeah. just like kind of addressing some foundational like truths okay. about the faith. Yeah. Um, trying to establish like if we have a foundation that is rooted in bedrock, it's unshakable, it's not going to move. Mm-hmm. And unshakable is kind of the word for our junior high students this year. Um, and so, uh, f- like last week, looked at just like hope. Yeah. And I'm actually, I'm using. Tim Keller's New City Catechism mm. as a basis for this Sweet. sermon series because he he asks questions in such a way that gets at really foundational truth. And so yeah. like last week's question is like, what is our only hope in life and in death? Mm. It's like that we are not our own, but belong both body and soul in life and death to God and to our Savior Jesus. That's right. So we talked about hope last week. Like, what does it look like to have hope? Where should our hope be rooted? Like a lot of people hope in a lot of different things. Like if your hope is in... Returning to normal mm-hmm. after COVID nineteen,
1: mm-hmm.
3: like you're gonna you're gonna be shaken. You're not gonna have a foundation that's sturdy if this thing keeps going on the way that it's going, and we're right. you know wearing masks and social distancing, you mm-hmm. know, not attending concerts and sporting events and group gatherings and stuff for an extended period of time. Like your foundation's gone. If your hope is I just got to get that scholarship because I and I had this conversation with a student last year mm-hmm. where she told me like I need to focus on my sport and nothing else, not school, not, not my faith, because if I do not get a scholarship through my sport, I'm never getting out of here. Yeah. And it's like, okay, like you might get that scholarship, but what happens when you blow your knee? What happens when you get that injury? Like your foundation is gone. The thing that you place all your hope in is gone, gone. right? And so if you're believing lies about where your hope lies, Mm -hmm. man, you're in for a world of hurt. Yes. Right? And so like this week I'm trying to take it into a level of like purpose. That's awesome. Like how and why did God create me? Love right. It. And so like what does it mean to be made in the image of God? Yeah. Right? What does it mean to like love God and be loved by by God? What does yeah. it mean to know God and be known by God? Totally right. Yep. Like what does it mean to glorify God? And so um like we got to build a foundation, right? And that happens in the home. Mm-hmm. Right? It doesn't happen in youth groups. Right, right. That's been, I think, one of my struggles as a youth pastor. Even taking over for you, Trav, is like, like, I, I'm trying to do mm. some foundational building. Yeah. That if it's not happening in the home, like it doesn't matter what I'm doing. Right. Right. As the youth pastor, like, it doesn't matter, like, how great of a preacher I am or how relationally I am when I connect with students. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, it, it's not gonna matter. Yeah. If it's yeah. not happening in the home.
2: Yeah, and I think that if I could say anything to parents of high schoolers, and I've said this before, as it pertains to this topic of deception, right? Yeah. How how can I have my student not be deceived? How can I um disciple my 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 child up in in Christ in such a way where he or she isn't vulnerable to deception? I think it would, my, my one thing I would say is make sure you keep the main things, the main things, mm-hmm. and don't let things that aren't the main things take the place of things that are yeah. true. And I think that even like in this political cultural moment that we are in right now, yeah. we are seeing that a lot of Christians are are putting things as main things that don't need to be. That's right. Um, and so Danny actually told me this analogy once, and I've I've taken it and used it as a discipleship tool. This idea of the brick wall of faith. If your faith is a brick wall, what are your foundational bricks? Mm-hmm. Um, because what's going to happen for high school students is that if they have a foundational brick that is not one of the main things, right? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Our God is Triune. Mm-hmm. The church is a bride of Christ, and Jesus is going to return for her. Yeah. Uh, we are eternal beings. He- heaven and hell exist. These things are the main things, essentials to the faith. In, in theological studies, we call them dogmatics, dogmas, yeah. Yeah. versus doctrines, things we can disagree on. If you have a, a doctrine, something we can disagree on, as the foundational bricks of your brick wall of faith, mm-hmm. and you go to college, and that doctrine gets shaken, and that brick gets pulled out, the whole brick wall of faith is going to fall. Yeah. Whereas if it's at the top where it belongs and a baseball hits it, whatever I learn in school or whatever I learn from a friend and that brick falls off, well, the whole wall isn't going to fall. Right. I might change my belief on that one thing, but the whole wall isn't going to fall. Mm-hmm. And these, these, these things that are not the main things have become the main things. And what that means is that as soon as the enemy gets a foothold and begins to deceive he's able to crumble the whole entire wall. Yeah. If your main things aren't real main things. Yeah, yeah. And so the number, I would plead with parents. I wouldn't just ask this. I would plead with it. Not only self because mm. it would make my job a lot easier. Yeah. But also because <laughs> it's the best thing for our high school students, in my opinion, is that we need parents to rise up and focus in on the main things. Make sure your student understands the primary doctrines of who God is, these mm-hmm. dogmatics of who God is, these unshakable truths of who God is, before you get concerned about making sure your student agrees with you yeah. in all of these other things. Fill in the blank. I, I won't say, I have plenty of different examples of what they yeah. could be. I won't say them, but I have plenty of different ones. Because what ends up happening is you end up raising a child. That is combative towards things that aren't the main things. Mm. And they forget the importance of those that are. Yeah, And, and that is just so bad for a student. Okay. I, I have seen no worse um, falls from grace is the term I'll go from. But okay. I, I've seen no students um, have such a harder time in college than those students that were most combative about their beliefs in high school. Yeah. Because they believed so strongly that that these things that weren't the main things had to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then the students who were the most childlike, yeah. who maybe just came to faith their junior year, came from non-Christian homes, Interesting. are the ones that end up going to college and thriving. I mean, I have seen no student thrive as much as one guy I'm discipling right now. His name's Jacob. He's at the U of M. He comes from a home where his mom believes he's in a cult. His mom actively thinks I am a cult leader, like, has told me I lead a cult. Here's the thing do we know that you're not? Technically, no, technically, no, you don't. But, like, literally, has like, he has had to stop her from like coming at me simply because I sit down with him and read the Bible with him, right? And this dude has such a childlikeness to his faith, yeah, and he is so firm on the things that saved him. He's yeah. so firm on these main and essential truths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now he's getting to college. He's a religious studies major at the University of Minnesota. You can only imagine how much of a disaster that is. <laughs> but he's calling me, saying these things as professors, teaching him. And it's, it is just incredible how much he's able to be like, you know, it's really confusing to me that they're saying all these, these archaeological things. It's It's really confusing. But I know that, Jesus is perfect. And I know that the word of God is perfect. And so even though it doesn't really make sense, I still trust it. Yeah. And he's just able to just be like, I still trust it. It makes no sense. But then like my students who grew up in Christian homes, go to a Christian university um, and they hear similar things coming from the mouth of a Christian, mm-hmm. their whole entire faith crumbles. Yeah. And, and I have to ask why, like, why does that happen? I think it all comes back to just like, if you're saved in a non-Christian home you have to just hone in on on, on the most essential things, mm-hmm. and, and you have to be so solid on these bedrocks that you're talking yeah. about, Danny, because no one else is going to teach you them. Right. Rather than coming from an assumption of like, well, you know them because you grew up in them, and so let's focus on these other things. Right. Forgetting
3: to actually like really drill in these bedrock components of the faith. Totally. Yeah. Well, and so something that I think you did so well as my youth pastor, Travis, was making the gospel the centerpiece Mm -hmm. of our whole junior high ministry, right? Right. And I love like the gospel acronym that dare to share, uh, you know, created and how, how many students in our ministry can, Just they know the gospel because they were able to memorize like a silly acronym, right? Like just a G-O-S-P-E-L, like that God created us to be with him, that Mm -hmm. our sins have separated us from God, that sins can't be removed by good deeds, paying the price for sin. Jesus died and rose again. Everyone who trusts him has eternal life and life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. Right? Like I can now, like even as I preach, creatively weave the gospel into my my sermon because, and I don't have to go like even (laughs) verbatim, just like wrote through that. Right because it was so foundational, ingrained, ingrained mm-hmm. right? And so when the gospel becomes this like centerpiece of our faith, yes, right? We we become like essentially able to defend against lies. Mm, totally. Right? And so something that we've been doing in our small groups both in junior high and high school is doing a gospel reminder mm-hmm. as a part of small group. Yeah. And so every single week in small group uh, it's one person's turn in the small group to remind the group of the gospel and they can do that they can use that gospel acronym they could pull a different text and preach the gospel through that text but just as a quick reminder yeah. and practice for them uh, so that they hear the gospel and they share the gospel mm-hmm. and like those things every single week uh, if you know if you're a sixth grader and you start that and you're doing that sixth grade seventh grade eighth grade and then into high school, and you do it ninth grade, tenth grade, eleventh grade, twelfth grade, yeah. like hundreds of times. You are sharing the gospel and hearing the gospel that's in your right. small group, right? And like that becomes a way to solidify and build yeah. a foundation that's like yeah. bedrock yeah. and it yeah. becomes because a culture too. That exactly, you exactly, exactly, right. Yeah. And then the gospel is that like that bottom layer of bricks in your brick wall. Come on, right? Yeah. Where like these are the things that we are going to die defending. Yes. I think
1: the gospel becomes so central and important. That's why I always prayed when I was the junior high pastor that the kids would have a Copernican revolution of the soul. Yeah, that's so You realize that you aren't circling, or God's not circling around you. You're supposed to circle around God. Yeah. And and so when that happens, they realize the gospel is not just the springboard, which they jump into life, but it's the pool itself that you're diving deep, deeper and deeper into the things of Christ and all that he's done and accomplished for you at Calvary. And as you rehearse that and you're immersed in that and you continue to saturate your life with the gospel, it colors every part of your life yeah. and takes over. And so love that's what you guys are doing, that you're all about, that foundational aspect of the gospel. Totally. God, yeah. our sins, pain, everyone, life. Yep,
3: there it is. Yeah. Right, and so if we're going to like then drill down into maybe some more specific areas in which... Like at least I'm seeing students like believing lies or deceptions mm-hmm. from our enemy that are impacting students right now. Um, you know, something that we we started doing in junior high is opening up space for, for questions to be asked because that to me is a way in which Satan can deceive students mm-hmm. is if they believe that there are things that they can't talk about because this is church. Yeah. Right. And so I, I think for a student and similar even Matt to what you were saying is that if students grow up believing like I can't, I can't have questions about this topic. I can't wrestle with my doubt here. I can't like, I can't go there on this topic, in a church setting, in a youth group setting. Like it's off limits. It's too yeah. taboo, yeah. right? That is going to be the thing that the enemy works at, mm-hmm. yes, right, and starts to deceive them on is like believing that like this is not a safe space for you. Right, you cannot be your real self here. Hmm. You can't bring the things that you're really thinking, really wrestling with here because they will not accept you if you voice that. Yeah, and so what I try and, and make sure my students understand is that we are going to talk about these things here. Come on, and you're allowed to disagree with me. Yeah, if you think differently, you're allowed to say that, and we're not kicking you out. Right, if you have a doubt in your faith, that doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. Yeah, right like we all experience doubts. Yeah. And it's just whether or not we're going to be honest about that. Totally. Right. And so, and so what I want to make sure parents here is like have those conversations with your students. Yeah. Right. It's great that we are having them in next junior high, but like, man, I want you to have them at home. Yeah. I remember
2: a couple of summers ago, it was the summer of 2018. I just graduated college um, and my grandpa got into a car accident and actually ended up losing his life. And, uh, my dad, who his best friend was his dad, mm. um, was sitting on the couch in the, the porch of my parents' home. Mm. And it was like two or three days after it all happened. It was, it was a whole, like, he, he had gotten in a car accident, was in the hospital for like a week and a half fighting for his life. Yeah. And so when he died, it was both a relief, but also heartbreaking, Mm -hmm. obviously. Um, And I remember sitting with my dad, like literally I was holding my dad as he was weeping into my shoulder, like crying out, why would God allow this to happen? Mm -hmm. Like, who is this God that would allow this to happen? Because he was heartbroken. And that moment for us, was a significant moment in our relationship now granted i was 22 years old right i was 22 years old um or what was i 20 23 whatever it was uh, 23 22 years old and i walked away from that yes knowing that my dad was mourning but also knowing that my dad was struggling and wrestling in his faith yeah and not once was my thought is my dad actually a Christian? Mm-hmm. Like, my dad's, like, wrestling with why God would... Do, does he not understand the sovereignty of God? Like, mm-hmm. does he not all... And that's like, that wasn't at all. Yeah. That was not at all what happened. I walked away being encouraged and even to an extent edified because I understood I'm not alone. That's right. That, like, my dad wrestles with his faith, which means I... wrestle with my faith. Now, what did that mean? A couple weeks later, after we had all kind of gone through the process of mourning, still a fresh wound, but we had celebrated his life. We had celebrated the fact that he was in heaven, sitting out in the backyard of my parents' yard um, or parents' house. My dad walks out. He looks at me. He goes, remember that question I asked the couple days after grandpa died? I want to talk about that. And we ended up having like a three-hour conversation about whether or not God intended for my grandpa to die that way, and we had a incredible conversation yeah. where we agreed for the most part, but we also disagreed in other parts, yeah. and we walked away. And once again, I did never. I never once walked away thinking like, "Oh, my this is like my dad's faith. Like, ooh, wow, we disagree. That's not good." Mm-hmm. I walked away being like. I can go to my dad. Yeah. Like I can, if I ever am wrestling, I can go to him and I can tell him why. And I have. Yeah. And and so my encouragement would just be parents. Like it is okay to tell your students when and how you are wrestling. Like, obviously you need to use your own discernment in that, Mm -hmm. but it's okay for you to go to your student and say like, Hey, have you ever thought about this? Because it's really hard for me. Like it's re- this concept of prayer, like it's really hard for me. Mm-hmm. How do you think about it?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And just being honest, yeah. It, I I I don't think your student's going to walk away wondering whether or not you're actually a Christian. Yeah. I think your student's going to walk away knowing that. Oh, I can wrestle too. And when that is the culture of your home, you talk about culture, Travis. Yeah. So that yep. When that's the culture of your home, again, I keep coming back to this those those footholds that the enemy would have of deception mm-hmm. are going to be filled. Because rather than them being on their own, being like, okay, I'm wrestling with this. Am I actually a Christian? Yeah. They know, well, okay, I'm wrestling with this. I'm gonna go talk to my parents about it. Yeah. Not my professor, not my best friend. Not all not not that any of those things are necessarily bad, but they go to their parents. Mm-hmm. And they talk about those wrestlings mm-hmm. that can really fill the holds of those footholds. Yeah.
3: Totally. So on, so I think on one level, right. It's the being able to ask the question, being able to wrestle with the doubt is a place where the enemy is deceiving students right now. Yeah. Um, another one, I think, and, and this is so pervasive in our culture and has been exploded and exacerbated by COVID-19 and lockdowns mm-hmm. is this feeling of being alone, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Like this is a lie from the enemy that I am alone I'm alone in the way that I think about this. I'm alone in the way that I feel about this. I'm alone. I don't have friends. I don't have people who care about me, right? All of those things, like I am seeing that bubble to the surface so much in mm. students right now. And that's like such a clear place where I am seeing the enemy attack students. that They they feel isolated and alone that yeah. nobody understands, nobody cares. Mm. and And so like as a word to parents, like, you need to be looking for that, right? Because, I mean, suicide rates are going up because of COVID and lockdowns and yeah. everything. Yeah. Like, students who feel like they are completely alone and nobody cares, mm-hmm. right? And, like, those are things we don't necessarily like to talk about in church. Right. Right? But, like, I mean, it's tragic it and heartbreaking to see students struggle like that. Yeah. But loneliness is such a, like, common feeling to humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. To feel like you, you are alone that you, you know, like that, even that feeling of like, I'm al- like being alone in a crowd. Yeah. And nobody knows me here. Right. Um, and so many students walk around, um, like Travis used to use this quote all the time, like living lives of quiet desperation. Mm-hmm. Right. Like just that feeling of being alone all the time. Yeah. And so if you're a parent and you're listening, like know that that is probably a feeling that your student has, mm. even your students who are super social, Right. And have, you know, like a, they're hanging out with friends on the weekend or whatever. Like my guess is they are still feeling alone yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a very, very like important place that the enemy is able to just pick at, Yeah, yeah. have that foothold.
2: And I think that gets at the issue of mental health right now in culture. Mm-hmm. Um, mental health in, in the lives of Generation Z is wildly different than it was in the life of a millennial in the life of a Gen Xer, in the Mm -hmm. life of a baby boomer, Mm -hmm. um, in the life of every generation, it is wildly different in their world right now. Uh, Anxiety rates have skyrocketed. Depression rates have skyrocketed. Suicide rates have skyrocketed. And then COVID-19 has multiplied those by two. Mm. Um, We are seeing the highest rate ever of high school suicides or suicide attempts. We are seeing the highest rate ever of um, depression, of prescription medication for anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. It's the highest rate ever. And I think I talked to so many parents um, who either say mental health, depression, anxiety, suicide isn't real. Mm -hmm. Um, Not my student. Yeah. Not not my home. They just don't have a relationship with Jesus. Um, They just don't have faith. And... I, I would say that one of the ways that the enemy is deceiving in the lives of our high schoolers right now is actually by deceiving their parents mm-hmm. as it comes to mental health. Yeah. Um, because I have talked to more parents whose students have had to go to outpatient or inpatient care yeah. that have looked me in the eyes with tears in their eyes. And said, "I wish I would have believed them two years ago, yeah. before the suicide attempt, yeah. before the 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 panic attack that crippled them, before the like mass of anxiety that they couldn't get out of." Um, and and I I think parents I know parents are so well intentioned mm-hmm. when they say like not my student. Um, or like they just need to have faith. Like I, I don't think parents are are uh, have an ill will when they do that. But I think what is happening in many ways, not in every case, but in many cases, yeah. is the enemy has actually convinced parents it's not real, mm. which means that the enemy gets to continue to wreak havoc in the life of that student, right? Um, because they're not getting the treatment that they need. Sure. Um, and so I would just say parents, like if your student comes to you, uh, with questions about depression, anxiety, whatever it might be Mm -hmm. and relating to mental health, don't just brush it off. Um, do the research, talk to a doctor, find a Christian doctor. Like if your concern is, is, is faith-based, talk to a Christian doctor. Um, we have plenty in our, in our church body. Yeah. Um, and see like, what's their advice? What would they say? Because it could be that your student genuinely does have mental health. It is a a skyrocketing rate where it's not just anxiety because of finals or because of social media. It's genuine, like, diagnosable anxiety. (laughs) So I would just say, do the research. And also, my encouragement to you, it doesn't make you a bad parent. Right. Again, never once have I looked at a parent whose student has anxiety, and I've thought, well, you're such a
1: bad mom. Right.
2: I haven't. I've always looked at a parent that comes to me asking for help Mm -hmm. for their student who's struggling with some sort of mental health Mm -hmm. issue. Mm -hmm. And I've always looked at them and thought, you are such a good mom, or you are such a good
1: dad because you're taking this seriously. Yeah. 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 And I'd say, too, not only maybe parents just dismissing that whole thing that's happening in their their home that is real, but also maybe diagnosing and treating it in a way that's not helpful. Yeah. Mm. There are obviously physical things that can be problematic with a young person when you talk about their brain, the yeah, health like of that, brain chemistry yep. and all that. For sure. There's no doubt. I mean, even when Elijah got depressed, what was the antidote? Yeah. You need to take a nap and eat a right. piece of cake. Right. You know? right. <laughs> nap and a snack. Yeah. Nap and a snack, and that helps. Yeah. But I think sometimes, too, we dismiss the fact that there could be a spiritual issue yeah. that's creating a mental health issue. Um, I think about um, for 2 Corinthians 11, uh, where Paul, defending his apostleship, he says, you know, I'm afraid that as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. That we talk about the battlefield of the mind that the enemy, when he lies to us and wants to deceive us, he wants us to think differently about Christ, totally, about our identity, about these foundational principles. And so um, that's why in Philippians 4 says, think about these things, mm. things that are excellent and praiseworthy and trustworthy and good. And so I think the mind obviously becomes a place where the enemy wants to weave his lies, right? Um, it's not things on the neck. It's lies bound up in our mind and heart. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I think about that. And as, I, like, as we get close to the end here, I would love for you guys to touch maybe on—we've we, talked about um, uh, a lot that has been really good—identity, uh, uh, hope that we need to have in Christ, foundational stuff, um, parents being aware of what's happening at home when it comes to mental health stuff and depression and anxiety, so rich and good. Um, what are some things you see happening uh, like specifically in our culture— Right now and today, that is deceiving, uh, deceiving young people. Mm. Do you see stuff there?
3: Yeah, uh, there's a couple, and I know like Matt and I have had these conversations a lot. Um, There's a couple things. I think the first is like, what does our culture say about sex and gender, Mm -hmm. right? And what we want to be quick not to do is to dismiss students who are wrestling with like issues related to sexuality. Yeah. Right. Like you can't just slap a Bible verse bandaid mm-hmm, on this. Mm-hmm. Right. But what parents really need to see is that like, like people who are struggling with same sex attraction. And I use that intentionally. Sure. Like the term same sex attraction, yes. because I would, I would argue that being gay mm-hmm. is an identity statement. Mm-hmm. Similar to how we've talked already on this episode. Like, you know, we need to have an identity that's not rooted in our activity right. Right. It's it's rooted in something deeper than that. It's deeper what God calls us. But when you say, I am gay, that's an identity statement. Yep. Right. But if you say, I'm attracted to somebody of the same sex, that's an indicator of a, like a wrestle. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, just that feeling of attraction, I would argue, isn't sinful. Yeah. It's when you act on that. Yeah. And pursue that. Yeah. As how you want to live. That's where it becomes sinful. And so, but... There are so many messages in our culture right now that are bombarding students about what is okay, what is not okay. Like in terms of what types of relationships, what types of uh, people, um, what you can call yourself or not call yourself, um, can you change your gender? Mm -hmm. All of that kind of stuff is like an attack on being created in the image of God. That's right. right, and that's a huge cultural issue for us right now. So that'd be the first one that I see. The second one is I think it's problematic, and this is going to be controversial. So I will stand I'm, on this I'm, alone. I'm ready for this, <laughs> right? Uh, the Danny Freed, you can send me the emails. <laughs> don't send Don't send Travis emails. <laughs> I think in our culture right now, and how divisive our political system is, like, like you would be, mm-hmm. like you'd be shocked about the political conversations that I hear sixth and seventh graders having. Mm. Because that's what they're hearing on the news, Yeah. right? That's what they're hearing their parents talk about in the home, Yeah. right? So the divisiveness of our politics is a cultural issue that is affecting students' faith in Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Because the enemy is sitting back and laughing at the disunity in the church mm-hmm. over politics, mm-hmm. right? And so like... I think that that is a massive cultural issue, how how hyperbolic our speech is, yeah. right? How, how wildly accusatory mm-hmm. our speech is, mm-hmm. how quick we are to demonize someone on the opposite aisle from yes. us, right? And so when we speak that way about our political opponents, even inside of the church, that is damaging to the faith of students. Even some of my youngest students are feeling that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I had a student calling a question my own salvation the other day, mm. a student, um, because I challenged them to consider that their Democrat or Republican friends mm. could both have salvation. Mm-hmm. It, it was just a minor statement. Yeah. And my salvation was called into question. <laughs> and now do I think that's like the common belief? No, I don't. But we have to ask ourselves what's happening in the church if that is something that a 17-year-old or a 15 or 16 or an 18, how out in not know how old they were, year old, can can say to me? Yeah. Like, all because of a statement like that. Like, you talk about division. The most talked about quality of a Christian a New Testament mm. is unity. Mm-hmm. It is the single most talked about, Paul talks about it in Every single epistle. Yeah. And yeah. Jesus Unity. prays for it in the garden in yes. John 17. Yeah. And yet we are probably living besides like 1550, like or whenever the Reformation was. I don't remember. I think it was 1515, right?
3: 1515. Well, we celebrated the 500th anniversary and Yeah. So it would have been
2: like 1515. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the Reformation, besides the Reformation, right? The obvious disunity in the church. I honestly think we might be living in a cultural moment where not only is culture the most divisive mm-hmm. it's ever been, but the church is the most divisive it's ever been. Mm-hmm. You heard Pastor Troy talk about it on Sunday. Oh, yeah. People leaving the church because of statements he made about abortion. Like, mm-hmm. like let's learn to disagree, and let's learn to disagree in the home. Right. And I think we need to learn to disagree in the home. Um, Danny and I disagree on a lot of things. Me and my my wife disagree on a lot of things. Me and my parents disagree on a lot of things but never once would I ever be worried to go to them Mm. and say, Hey, I'm kind of wrestling with this. I know it's a little controversial. Yeah. I think another, um, way that, um, the enemy is causing, um, deception. I was, I almost said division deception. It's actually super, super practical. And I'll let Danny get back to his really deep things. Um, I think that the enemy is particularly deceiving our young women. Mm. Um, in what beauty is. Yep. And in doing that is also deceiving our young men to believe that that's what beauty is. Yep. Um, and, and right now in culture, if you look at um, the beauty industry or you look at the fashion industry or you look at any anything, billboards, whatever it might be, it's a fun, it's a very, very fun and interesting study to do this exact thing. Look at the cultures of beauty. The trends of beauty, and then look at the rise of the Kardashian family's fame. <laughs> you will literally notice that the trends of beauty matches what they look like. Yeah. The more famous they get, yeah, um, like the the body image, the the clothing, all of it, and and that that can be so damaging.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: To especially young women, oh, yeah. when they believe that that um, beauty is that, mm-hmm. I'm not going to make statements about how they got to that beauty, because I don't know if they've had any cosmetic surgery or whatever it might be. I would guess they probably have. Yeah, yeah. But we need to really instill. I mean, what beauty is not of the face or the body first? It yeah. is of the mind and of the heart and of the tongue. And if we can correct what beauty is in the church, mm-hmm. we're going to see men treat women differently. We're yeah. going to view have women treat themselves differently. I think that honestly, that is one of the clearest ways that the enemy has caused deception in our culture. Mm-hmm. It's giving this idea that like this is what it means to be beautiful.
3: Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. I do too. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I see. You know, every society culture props up idols that we worship, uh, I think we can clearly see what some of those are yeah. in our world today. Beauty and appearance, for sure, is something that is propped up, and therefore we see a lot of people bowing down yeah. to it and doing whatever they got to do to get it, Yeah, you know? Uh, even if that means a mistreatment of their own body right? to try to acquire right. that idol, totally. uh, which I think is a deception of the enemy. We know behind every idol, right? Mm-hmm. I think in so many ways is a demonic force. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Amen. And so, therefore, we fall into the trap of the enemy. And Mm -hmm. I think, as you were saying, um, Danny, when we talk about the political divisiveness that we're even seeing within the church, that comes down to, as you mentioned earlier, misplaced hope. Mm -hmm. Where's your hope? Yeah. Is it a political party or a person? Yeah. Or is it in Jesus? Right. And so, you know, we get back to these things, like, how we can see very clearly uh, where the enemy is trying to weave in and deceive and, and work his lies into, uh, into our very homes and, in, and infecting uh, our, our kids with, with ideas that raise themselves up against the knowledge of Christ. Yeah. And therefore, as you guys said, with the work that you're doing here with Student Ministries and what happens even more so in the home is that we're given the firm foundation where their feet are planted in the scriptures so that they, when they move beyond the home, that they don't move beyond Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> amen. Yeah. Right, and they just never get over, never move on, never divorce themselves from from Christ, but they continue to work out their salvation with fear and trembling, as they come to realize all that they've been given in Christ Jesus. Totally. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I just love what you guys are doing. I'm so blessed to be at this church and see this next generation rise up and and uh, and and just lead so well in, in 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 discipling. And being really, for, for a family, as a parent, a supplement into the lives mm. of our kids. Totally. My daughter, Ava, being a beneficiary of what you guys mm. are
3: doing. And so I'm so thankful for you guys.
1: Any other parting thoughts before we wrap up?
3: Uh, I would just say, like, I think we are extremely blessed as the high school and junior high pastors to have a family ministry to come alongside and partner with us in the discipleship of the whole family. I think that's unique in our church. Yeah. I love what you and Steph are able to do, um, and and just all the the discipleship of of parents, the discipleship of newly married couples, all of that because uh, that's that's where families are going to change. Yeah, is is not they don't need. Like, you know, mm-hmm. anything more than sitting at the feet of Jesus, and you're right. leading parents to to the feet of Jesus. And okay. so, um, as the youth pastors, it's helpful yeah. that we have another pastor on our staff mm-hmm. who's like essentially our coworker, right? In this, where like you just you've got the parents, we've got the students, and then mm-hmm. they all kind of come together as the family, and come like on. boom, they're following Jesus. So, uh, one team, one dream. That's it. That's it. So, yeah. Any other thoughts, Matt? It's
1: really good.
2: I mean, I would echo every single thing Danny just said. I mean, we are indeed all on the same team in this. Um, there is a past student of mine who is able to do some some speaking throughout the country, and she constantly talks about um, how culture is fighting to win over the minds of this next generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and the question is, how hard is the church fighting for it? Yeah, Because someone's going to win them. That's right. Is it going to be the church or is it going to be culture? Come on. And the implication, because we look at culture and we see how hard they are fighting for the minds of our young ones. Um, Like I would put Danny and I in that category, by the way, like culture is fighting for us too. Mm -hmm. Um, How hard are you fighting for the minds of your students, of your children? Because someone's going to win the fight. That's right. It's just a question. is who. Who. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, I, you know, as you said, Matt, I, I think it just makes me think of, uh, obviously, a very um, significant verse in light of everything that we've talked about and how we're wrapping up and closing here, Romans twelve two, right? Yeah. Do not be formed to this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind, so you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Yeah. Not being poured into the molding of the world. Being poured into the mold of Christ and christ likeness through the renewing of our minds, where the battle's at. Um, so thank you guys so really good. Yeah, thank you, I totally. Thanks for having us both on. Of you, man. Keep fighting the good fight of the faith, man. Keep pressing on to, mm. to know Christ and making him known with our students. Keep making the gospel that foundational message. I believe by the grace of God, we'll continue to see fruit mm. in junior high and the high school ministry. Mm. Come on. Let so, me do it. Yeah, Appreciate you. That's so awesome. Let me pray yeah. out. God, thank you again for this great conversation with these dudes. Um, so thankful that they are fighting um, the good fight. And as a parent, uh, I'm I'm so encouraged to see what is being taught here in the high school and junior high ministries. And so thankful um, that these guys get it. Um, that they're about they're about the gospel and it being central, being the very crux, uh, foundational point uh, of all that we do here. God, thank you. I I pray for every family that's listening, Mm -hmm. that parents would be engaged at home, not disengaged, but be involved in the lives of their sons and their daughters, that the scriptures might be taught in the homes, uh, that hard conversations, difficult questions might be tackled, and that the home and the church might be a safe place for these kids to come and be real about the stuff that's really bothering them, and that together we can get into into the word of God. And be, and be informed with what you have to say um, that will enrich our lives and and bring health into our families and to our students. And so, God, thank you for today. And pray all this in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: And, guys, as we close, I just want to make mention, too, um, you guys are obviously meeting tomorrow night. Yep. So families, parents, if you're listening and your kids are not involved with our junior high school uh, ministry, please come tomorrow night, 6 to 8, right? Six to A right here. And so come, be here. It's awesome. Next junior high, next high school. Uh, Thanks again, families. We hope to see you again. (laughs) May not see you again, but hopefully you hear from us again (laughs) on this Family Huddle podcast. God bless you, and uh, we'll we'll see you again, again soon. See ya. Bye.
0: And that wraps up another episode of the Family Huddle podcast as always, we so appreciate you spending a little bit of time with us today and oh my goodness what a great conversation between Travis, Danny and Matt so much to think about um, so much you know so many questions to then you know work through and I would encourage you if you you listened and your spouse didn't, please pass the episode on to them. if you have, middle school or high school kids in your home, ask them to listen to it and ask them what they think. Do they agree? Do they disagree with the assessments that Matt and Danny made about faith, about culture? As you just, yeah, continue to think through, is there, are there ways that the enemy has begun to kind of weave into the fabric, the culture, um, the relationships in your home? Because he's trying to, he's coming after you. He's coming after your kids and we need to know the truth of the gospel in order to be able to pick out and discern what is deception in our hearts and be able to discern it in the lives of our children as well. And as we've said so many times, this is never coming from a place of perfection. We've arrived. Um, we always do it right in our own homes. Our interactions with our children are always just so Christ like. And we're growing to, we're learning to, and we are here for you. We're praying for you. Um, We're working to invest in you through this podcast and other resources. And so if you need anything, um, whether it's prayer, um, if you have thoughts, like Danny said, you can email him, but you can email us as well. We want to hear from you. And yeah, don't hesitate to reach out. We want to connect with you and walk alongside your family wherever you're at. And as Steph mentioned last week in our initial episode of this series, you can do something today, so sometimes it's easy to think it's too far gone, there, I, I can't do it, I don't know how to have these conversations with my kids, it's awkward, it's weird, I don't have all the answers, um, don't hesitate to just like start where you're at, start today, and we want to help you and partner with you in doing that. So. Again, like I said, please reach out to connect with us because that's what we want. That's what we're hoping for. Share this episode, pass it along. Yeah, I just, I feel like I'm gonna be sending it to everybody, such good conversations and such good conversations to be had based on what was talked about today. So um, as always, uh, we're here for you. We're praying for you and we will see you soon.